following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. get into the word there's a couple of things I always bring up and mention I mean uh, not everybody is wired the same way I'm a bit of a note taker so if I go to meetings where uh, I am, am receiving what's being presented normally I have a pen and paper in hand and by the time that meeting's over that paper is just covered with stuff it's not even stuff from the meeting I mean I'll draw pictures of dogs and horses and unicorns and all kinds of stuff but I'll write stuff down as well and so, you know, you'll be filtering through all these odd pictures and little doodles and you'll find information that you'll think, oh, I remember when that was said, you know. And what's amazing when you write stuff down and revisit it is you can, can sit and soak on it and focus on it and it doesn't get lost. So uh, I had a, a guy one time, a very wise man, told me you can write it down or you can write it off. And I think that's pretty true. So I'm, an, I'm a big advocate for uh, taking notes. If you have that ability, you can jot a few things down. I don't mind if you draw a few unicorns. I get it. It's a thing. Uh, so knock yourself out. But uh, when we get into the word here, I want to anticipate something great. When we come together, no matter what, that, that really is a sincere uh, desire of mine that we be impacted by the word of God in a really powerful way. Uh, the word of God is the power of God to save to all who will believe. And as we hear the word of God, no matter what, no matter how many times we hear it, no matter uh, how routine it becomes, I trust and believe that it has the power to bring something impactful into our lives that we desperately need. And, and not just together collectively, but individually in our lives. We all have different life experiences, all engaged in different uh, uh, things, uh, challenges, things that we need to see God move in. I'm always trusting and believing that God is present to speak to us together and individually at the same time. He's just that good, and he loves us uh, so much. So. Uh, there's a few things we're going to find in the Word. These are a few things that we're going to find together as we move through the Scripture. I like to offer these as kind of like milestones, you know, for a couple of reasons. And one is real practical, so that you can kind of know where we're at in the message, right? I've sat in meetings before where I've thought, like, how long is this guy going to go? Because I feel like he's been getting started now for like 30 minutes, you know. <laughs> and, and so it's good to kind of have, you know, something in the front, something in the middle, and then something in the end. So you just kind of know where you're at, right? I think that's a real comforting thing. Another thing is there are things that maybe stood out to me that I personally found interesting and just thought you might find it interesting as well. And so it gives it a little emphasis and allows us to look forward to it. Uh, but these are things that you can look forward to as we get into the word. One, what makes you different? That's one of the things we're going to find. What makes you different? Now, let me clarify what I'm saying there. What makes you different as a Christian? I mean, as a Christian, you are different than, than non-Christians in the world. Now, that's not a very politically correct thing to say. The world would love for everyone to be the same and everybody's equal and all of these things. The reality is Christianity means change. When you come into Christianity, the word promises that you become a new creature. Old things pass away and new things come. That means you're different than you used to be. And everyone else that's still that same used to be way is going to be different than who you are. So you're going to be different, and there's something that makes you different. We're going to see what makes you different in the Scripture. For a couple of reasons, I find that important. One, it's okay to be different than the world. I mean, you'll know you're doing it right when you look totally different than the rest of the world, right? And then an another thing is it, it lets me know that 
as we are, are living our lives that I can look for patterns of new things and old things and make sure that the things of my life are surrendered to God. I want new things. I don't want to live my life carrying around old things. Anyway, that's neither here nor there for now. But we're going to find out what makes you different so that we can intentionally uh, cooperate with that uh, change. Another thing that we're going to find is what's needed to do what's right. Uh, that's a big one to me because I'm constantly at a crossroads. Your life is really nothing but a series of choices and decisions, right? I mean, some of those things are pretty mindless, you know. I mean, for some of us, it's a real chore to figure out what we're going to wear, you know, or something like that. I mean, that's a choice, that's a decision. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the life decisions that we make. You know, you're constantly at a, a, in a place of choosing to do this or do that. And, and many times this or that is the difference between right and wrong. You know, and so when we're faced with choices, when we're faced with decisions, there's something that's necessary to do what's right. And we're going to find out what that is so that we can have it in abundance in our life and always have what we need to choose what's right. Another thing that we're going to find is what is always a choice. What's always a choice. You always have a choice to do this. This is always an option. It's never not an option, no matter what you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what anyone else tells you. This is always an option. We're going to find out what this is uh, when we uh, come to the end of the message here. Uh, so here's a, a few passages of scripture that I want to just share with you, a little paraphrased here, because when I think about Christianity and I think about being a Christian, I think about the things that the Bible says and promises, and, and those are the things that are inspirational, but I want to understand them. I don't want to just be able to recite them or quote them, right? I mean, a great thing to consider is kind of like the difference between, you know, knowing the alphabet and being able to read. There's a big difference, right? I mean, when I was a kid, I was taught a cadence, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Now, I knew that because it was a cadence, but it didn't help me at all to, to, to read until I actually learned to practically apply it. And when I learned to practically apply it, then it became an effective part of my life. Well, for a lot of Christianity, uh, there's a lot of things that can just become a cadence. You can quote the scripture, but you really don't know how to apply it to your life. It just becomes something we put on a bumper sticker, stick on the refrigerator, you know, maybe write on the mirror, and it brings this, this sense of comfort, but it really doesn't bring any change or transformation. I want to give you a few passages of scripture that I want to be more than a cadence in my life. Okay, so these are just kind of ones that I jotted down here. I don't even have the addresses for them in your Bible. These are things I wrote down during worship. Uh, so here's one. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. I mean, I, I know that freedom is an enticing thing. I mean, it sounds like something I want, right? I want freedom. And I can say that this is a passage of Scripture that I've heard before, that I've even said before, but I want to know what this means. I mean, if Jesus sets me free, I want to be free indeed. And, and here, here's another thing to consider, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? I mean, those are things that we say a lot. We put them in our music. Very easy for these things to become a cadence, just like... A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But how do we now take these truths that have been imparted to us and begin to apply them rightly to produce and get a productive effect? So it's more than just something we can recite, but it's something that we live. So I have to ask myself, well, well what are we being set free from? I mean, it's easy to just make that generic, well, you're set free from sin. And I think that's a really great answer. I mean, honestly, that's a correct answer. 
But there's so much more than just liberation from sin when we talk about the work that Jesus does in our life. And to understand the work that Jesus is doing in our life, it's important to understand who Jesus is. I want to give you a passage of scripture here that is, you know, foundational for where we're going with things. And it comes from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. Now, many times when Isaiah 9 comes up, I point out that it kind of comes out once a year at Christmas and and I think that's a real shame, you know, because so much information is being revealed here about Jesus, his, his, his purpose in our lives, the work that he accomplishes at the will of God on our behalf. And we're going to see something really incredible here as it concerns who Jesus is. Prophetically, Jesus is being identified as the following. And, and Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 6 for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. I mean, you can see why this comes out around Christmas, you know, manger scenes and all that stuff. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his rule or of peace. Now, this is a, a passage here that is, is incredible when you consider what all is being identified. I mean, these are things that we could even create a, a checklist or a punch list and begin to identify in any situation or circumstance. Is Jesus present as the following in this situation or in this circumstance? Is he wonderful counselor? Am I getting my counsel from him as it concerns my actions and what I'm about to do? Mighty God, am I acknowledging that he has the power to perform in this situation, or am I scared or anxious about the threat that exists in what I'm facing? I mean, the next one on the list was eternal father. Am I, am I seeing that this is the relationship that he's chosen to have with me, one of love and affection and compassion to raise me in the way I should go? It's a wonderful thing that God has chosen to relate to us as father. Do you realize he could have just been like amazing emperor? He could have come up with any title that would communicate superiority, but he chose to relate to you because of how he feels about you and how he cares about you to be father. It's a great box to be able to check off. Am I seeing God as my father in this? That no matter how I feel, I might feel rejected, I might feel hurt, I might feel wounded, but I know that he's doing this for my good. There are probably many times, <clears throat> excuse me, during raising my sons where they were receiving correction or discipline where they probably didn't feel like I loved them. But if they can keep in their mind that I'm their father, that I have their best interest in mind, that I'm leading them in the direction they should go, it will affect how they interpret the situation that is seemingly or momentarily uncomfortable. And then you come to this next one on the list here, Prince of Peace. What an amazing title to give Jesus. The Prince of Peace. I mean, like, this is, is the title that's bestowed upon him as he's being identified as the Messiah, the, the Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who was and is and is to come. Everything that is glorious about who he is is, is summed up in this title, the Prince of Peace. And then the sentence that follows, that there'll be no end to the increase of his government, that he'll continue to rule and reign forevermore, and that there'll also be no end to the increase of peace. I'm starting to see the importance of peace here, the emphasis of peace here, and that's the thing 
that I want to, to take a look at this morning, and I want to look at it from a real specific angle, from a real unique perspective. When I consider the things that I'm being set free from, that, that the, the work of the gospel in my life is for liberty and freedom, and that the presence of the Holy Spirit results in liberty and freedom, <clears throat> I, ask my, <clears throat> excuse me, I ask myself the questions, freedom from what? I want to give you a, a definition of the word peace, and it's going to help establish what I believe we're free from. Like I said before, I understand sin, corruption, transgression, iniquity. Those are things that we're, we're liberated from by the blood of Jesus. I have no problem with that, but I want to look a little bit deeper. I mean, if Jesus is identified as the Prince of Peace, and there's no end to peace when Jesus is a part of my life, I want to understand peace. I mean, I would have no issue if that passage of Scripture said his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end uh, to, to the increase of his rule or of forgiveness. I mean, if that's how it read, I'd be happy with that. I'd feel good about that. And, and I would preach that, and we would love it. But, but intentionally, what's said is there's going to be no end to the increase of peace. I want to understand peace inside and out. I don't want to just think I understand it or, or feel like, you know, as long as things are, are, are not in a state of chaos, then that equals peace. I want to know what peace is. So if we turn just to the dictionary, and I'm not talking about, you know, some concordance or Bible dictionary. I mean like Webster's. I'm talking about typing it into your web, web browser, peace definition. This is what's going to pop up, and I think this is a really incredible definition. Freedom, well, that's a powerful word. Remember all the freedom that's been promised, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. The one the sun sets free is free indeed. Peace starts with freedom, but freedom from what? Freedom from disturbance. That's kind of an interesting thing to think about, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of the freedom from disturbance. And I want to know him as such. If that is the identity that God has revealed to us as who he is, as he's come to bring everything we need to live a godly and successful life, free from the bondage of sin and corruption and released into the full measure of the promises of God with the authority of the kingdom of God and the power of the Holy Ghost in our life, God has sent to us the prince of the freedom from disturbance. I want to know Jesus as that. That is the, the, the view, the perspective. When I see him, I want to see that is the prince, that is the king, that is the ruler of being free from all disturbance. And then I start to wonder, well, then what does it mean to be disturbed, right? Because if it's freedom from disturbance, then I want to know, by definition, what counts as disturbance. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. We go back to the dictionary, and you, you find this. The interruption of a settled state. That's disturbance. Like, consider this. Consider, you know, sand, you know, that has settled, that's a settled state, to the bottom of the water. And then all of a sudden, an interruption to that settled state would be this agitation, this stirring up, and all of that sand begins to swirl and move around, and it's all out of place. There are things that are taking place in my life, even right now as we speak, that are trying to, to take things that have been settled, things that have been a conviction, things that are where they're supposed to be, and get them all stirred up and all over the place. And when you begin to see like that, and you start to have that perspective, you start to sit back and think, okay, I see what's going on here. 
And I'm not going to just be a lamb led to the slaughter and take the bait and just get wound up in all the disturbance. I need to look to the prince of the freedom from disturbance. I need to look to the prince of peace, the one who has been sent into my life to protect me from being stirred up in all of this nonsense, but to remain settled. And I really believe with all of my heart that with Jesus as, as the foundation of my thoughts and my actions and my attitudes, that no matter what storm tries to stir up everything that's settled, I'm equipped with everything I need to remain settled, to remain in the place, not stirred up out of place, but to remain right where I need to be. Settled in my thoughts and in, in my heart and in my mind and, and in my actions and in my words. And oftentimes when we find peace disturbed, when we find that there's this interruption to, to this being settled, it's revealed through things that are out of character. You know, maybe we speak different. All of a sudden, you know, words that you normally don't say start coming out. Maybe cuss words, who knows? Name calling, I don't know. Maybe the tone changes, where instead of it being, you know, a calm, delivered tone that's under control and that, that's rooted in strength and, and the, the foundations of solid character and conviction, all of a sudden becomes, uh, you know, aggressive. It might become sharp. It might become sarcastic. There's a number of things that could, could begin to be revealing that something is agitated. Something that is normally settled is now stirred up, and that is a problem. Because peace is that settled, that freedom from disturbance. And Jesus is the prince of peace. Now, here's something wonderful about the idea of this, this freedom from disturbance. This freedom to, from disturbance is really what sets you apart from the rest of the world as a Christian. I want to give you a, a passage of scripture here that, that I lean on as it concerns that, that truth. And, and I mentioned to you before, we're going to find out what makes you different. But we'll find that here at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, you can write it down. You can go read it in your own time. Or you can turn there right now, however you choose. But I'm about to read it to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23. Now may the God of peace... Okay, now I have to stop there and just say, now you realize we're talking about peace again. May the God of peace, the word of there is a possessive word. It's a descriptive word and a possessive word. We don't really use it as a possessive word very often, but you could either say, hey, this is Preston's Bible, or you could say, well, that's the Bible of Preston. Like that, It sounds weird to say it that way, but basically what's being revealed here is that God possesses this. He's the holder of peace. It's an identification that, that peace is, is, is who he is, and, and he is the source of this. Now, may the God of peace sanctify you entirely. I want to explain that for a second, because remember I said, this is what makes you different from the rest of the world. I love that sound. Oh, I love that sound. Let me tell you something. I heard a baby crying in a store the other day, a newborn. There's nothing like it. I just sat there and grinned. And, and it brought back a lot of memories. I love that sound. Would it be weird if I cried a little bit? Hmm. Don't make it weird. Yeah, it is. 
And may the God of peace sanctify you entirely. So the word there is sanctify, the word to focus on. Sanctify means to be set apart. I mean, you were pulled out of darkness and set apart into light. You were removed from this and you were placed into that. You were removed from that which was corrupt, that which was filled with destruction and demise and corruption and death and all of those things. And you were moved into what is prosperous and life-giving. You, you have been set apart. You have been sanctified. Let me tell you something. That's a word that I would encourage every one of us to take into our prayer time. Father, let me understand sanctification. Show me how I'm sanctified. Teach me to live a sanctified life. I want to see in the scripture what it means. I want to hear from your voice directly to me what it means. Speak to me, lead me, guide me. Teach me, Father, about how I'm sanctified. Now, Jesus prayed for you, and this is in John 17. If you're ever kind of having a little slump of a day, read John 17, and you'll feel uh, really encouraged when you see how Jesus feels about you. When he's praying to God about you before going to the cross, one of the things that he says is, God, will you sanctify them in truth? And your word is truth. That's what he says. And I think it's interesting that he, you know, he's not preaching to God. It's not like, now I want to remind you that your word is truth. But rather, this is being documented and recorded knowing that this is going to be a source of encouragement 2,000 years later when you read it. And you realize that I have Jesus prayed and asked God to set my life apart. And he asked God to set my life apart through a tool. That tool is the written word. That, that, that tool is the spoken word of God into my life. And when that comes into my life, it produces a sanctification that makes me different than the rest of the world. But we see here the God of peace. May he sanctify you entirely. Again, I love the word entirely. That means every part of you. Not just this part or that part. Every aspect of your life to be set apart from the rest of the world. I mean, when God's work and his word is, is operating in and through my life, every aspect of my living is transformed and changed. Not one part of it is untouched. It goes on to, to refer to all of this, this, this complete sanctification, this entire sanctification. And it talks about the three parts that make up who you are. Your spirit, your soul, your body. I mean, this is a complete package here. So I want to read the passage now without interrupting it myself. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Funny to me that, that the identity here for this sanctification process is peace. This, this settling, the, the freedom from disturbance. I mean, you can insert that definition there the same way we did with Prince of Peace, Prince of the Freedom from Disturbance. We can go God of Peace. Now may the God of Peace sanctify you entirely. Now may the God of the Freedom from Disturbance sanctify you entirely. I want my body free from disturbance. I was driving around the other day and thought, man, my chest feels kind of tight. I didn't like that. I want my body free from disturbance. I want my mind free from disturbance. I don't want to chase weird thoughts and have a bunch of, of, of you know, corrupt things in my head. I don't want a bunch of fear and anxiety and garbage that will lead me astray to compromise or, or bring me to a point of weakness where I fail. I want to be free from that disturbance in my mind. I want freedom from disturbance in my spirit. I don't want to go back and forth in my faith. The word says that a double-minded person is, is like, you know, 
they're tossed about like, like they're on the waves of the sea and that they're unstable in all of their ways. At all, I want to be stable, not unstable. I want to be free from disturbance in every aspect of my living. And the promise of that freedom from disturbance is the result of the God of peace working in my life to make me different from the rest of the world. The wonderful thing about peace is there's a source to it. I mean, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You turn to the book of Galatians and you'll see that, that peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, like love and joy, then peace, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of those things are things that we need, and they're all the result of the Holy Spirit active in and through our lives. When I begin to feel the absence of any one of those things, I, I know I need to, to surrender this to the Holy Spirit because I need what He produces, not what I produce. The fruit of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of Preston Humphreys are very different fruits. I don't even want to get into my fruits. Some of them are really poisonous. And the covenant that God's made with you, the covenant that he's made with you is this covenant that he identifies as a covenant of peace. I mean, it's interesting to me because, once again, he's not calling it a covenant of forgiveness or a covenant of, of mercy, but this covenant of peace. It shows you how God values peace, this freedom from disturbance, because sin, corruption, and all of these things are the disturbance. My life was designed to be settled, to be at peace with God, for righteousness to be at the, the foundation of who I am. It's the introduction of corruption and the introduction of sin all the way back to Adam that has caused this disturbance. And now the covenant now is to restore peace, to be free from that disturbance. It makes me value peace and it makes me see when peace is under attack in my home, in my workplace, in the church, no matter what. It causes me to see what's actually going on here. This isn't just a bad day. This isn't just something that is an irritation. This is an assault on everything that God has done in my life through Jesus. And I'm going to treat it as such. Kind of an interesting perspective. God's kingdom is made up of peace. You can't be operating in the kingdom of God without peace. I'll give you the passage of scripture that you can you know, write down for the purpose of your notes, Romans 14, 17. I like giving those because I want you to visit those. But the kingdom of God is, is consisting of or is made up of, of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's another fun one. Man, we could start a whole other message right there. The idea that the kingdom of God is always going to be consisting of righteousness, meaning you're never going to be in the kingdom of God sinning. Peace. Never going to be in the kingdom of God with disturbance and joy. Never going to be in the kingdom of God in darkness and depression. But that the kingdom of God invades our lives to shed all of that stuff from who we are. So that we can walk in what's right. So that we can have that freedom from disturbance. And so that we can be filled with joy in the light of Jesus Christ. I mentioned to you before that... the we were going to find something. We were going to find what's needed in order to do what's right. I, I think this is really interesting and really important because I'm faced with a lot of choices and decisions every day to choose what's right, to choose what's wrong. Your life is a series of decisions and choices. And if we know something is necessary, something needs to be present in order to do what's right, then we can see to it that we have the right tools to make the right decisions and choices. 
I mean, if I were building a fence and I needed screws, but I went to go build that fence and didn't have any screws, that fence ain't going to get built. It's sure not going to get built right. It's going to collapse. It's going to fall over. It's going to fail. And that's some goofy redneck example, but it still holds up. The point is you got to have the right stuff to do the right thing. So here's what we're going to have to have in order to choose what's right, because we're all faced with choices. We're all faced with decisions. And if we find that we make a string of bad choices and a string of bad decisions, we might ask ourselves, do I actually have what I need to make this right? Let me tell you something. I spent a, a, a big portion of my life, especially my young life, addicted to alcohol, and I hated it. I, it was miserable, and it was destroying my life. I would sit at home and cry and sob, and I wanted to be free from it so bad, but I couldn't. I kept making the bad choices, the bad decisions. It was destroying my life. It was going to destroy my life. I mean, it was going to kill me, or I was going to waste my life in prison. I mean, nobody would want that. You don't walk up to somebody who has all the potential in the world to do something great and just say, hey, you want to waste all this? But sure, why not? I hated it, and I knew I hated it, but I couldn't stop it until Jesus introduced the freedom from disturbance, until peace came into my life, and all of a sudden I had what I needed to choose what was right. Even though I tried to choose and tried to choose and tried to choose and I couldn't, when I finally had what I needed to make the right choice, the right choice was made. And here's what you need to make the right choices. I'll give you this passage of scripture here from James. James chapter 3, verse 18. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, let me tell you something. It just sounds like you opened up a Christian fortune cookie, right? It, it does. It's like, you know, it's this weird, it sounds like a, 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 some kind of a, a saying or, you know, some you know, free-floating proverb out there, but when you take this into the context of who peace is, that it's Jesus Christ, when you take this and you ask yourself, what does that actually mean? The seed whose fruit is righteousness. Okay, don't think just seeds, but think about what seeds do. They grow and they produce. The actions that produce what's right, the words that produce what's right, the attitudes that produce what's right, the activity that produces what's right will always be sown in peace by those who make peace. I can take that passage of scripture and establish this, that if I'm not doing this in peace, to make peace, it's never going to be right. Even if it seems right, even if it feels right, things done in anger, things done in, in disappointment, things done in hurt and in wound, things done out of rejection, things done in pain and suffering and sorrow. It doesn't even have to be you afflicting them. It could be the result of them afflicting you and that disturbance, that absence of peace results in corrupt choices and decisions. It's the reason why when you become this new creature and old things pass away and new things come, one of the foundational elements of that is the receiving and giving of Forgiveness. To get rid of the agitation, to bring things back to the point of being settled. So that peace can be at the foundation of the choices and the decisions made, and that the fruit of that seed that's sown in peace will be righteousness, or what's right. Pretty interesting, huh? Peace is never going to be accidental. I'm going to move fast through these. Never accidental. It's always pursued, which means like there's an effort that's made. 
We can wait for it to happen, but it's not going to just happen by accident. It's, a, it's an intentional effort made on the life of the individual or through the life of the individual to see to it that it happens. Peace is pursued. If I had, you know, was in a meeting and I decided to check out from drawing unicorns, I would write that one down. Peace is pursued. And I'd probably find myself, you know, later on that evening reading that, just thinking, peace is pursued. Peace is pursued. What does that mean? Wow. And I would just ponder it. I'm not telling you you have to do that, but I would encourage you, hey, take this with you. Put it in your pocket. Peace is pursued. I'll give you a, a, a few passages of Scripture. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no man will see God. Man, that's pretty powerful. That the pursuing of peace with all men opens up the door for that sanctification, that setting apart. I don't do it like the world does it. You hurt me, you afflict me, you wrong me, you produce all these unjust things, but I can be at peace with you. And that's not how the world does it. The world does it, hey, you push me, I push you back harder. You hit me, I hit you back harder. I mean, the world is, is going to reciprocate uh, these wrongdoings back and forth to one another until we're all destroyed. But we're not called to be like the world. We've been sanctified, set out, and set apart from all of that garbage and nonsense to do it different. And the way we do it different is we pursue peace. And that's how we see God. In fact, the scripture says that the, the, the ones that are the peacemakers will be called the sons of God. I don't, don't want to get on a rabbit trail with that, but I think that's a really important thing to think about. It's never going to be accidental. It's always pursued. Uh, Romans 14, 19, it says this, Pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. So what's funny to me is this passage of Scripture making the, the notes, right? Because it doesn't really, you know, it just says pursue peace, and we already said that. But the reason why this one makes the notes is because I think this kind of tells you how. How do I pursue peace with other people? And I think this is interesting that it says pursue peace you know, with all men and the building up of one another. I'm not sure that this is two things. I think this is, hey, do this, and this is how you do it. Those people that tear you down, build them up. The people that want to just crush you and destroy your life, build their life. The ones that are being so destructive with all the demolition that they're bringing through their words and their actions and their attitudes, you go and construct something awesome. And I think that's helpful to know how to pursue peace. It's not just bringing things, you know, to this place of, of inactivity or, or this, this state of being passive, but rather it's this call to be active in a constructive way. My goal is not just to endure when people hurt me and to just sit back and take it. My goal is to start building their life, even while they're tearing me down. Here's another passage of scripture here. 1 Peter chapter 3, it's verse 11 and 12. It says, seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. I want that. I want God to see what's going on in my life and he's watching. I want my prayers to be effective. When I read this passage of scripture, I can see that, that my prayers being effective, that, that this attention given to my life is, is opened up and magnified by the pursuing of peace. I know there's a number of people that might argue those things, but I'm happy to just let the scripture speak for itself. So I'm going to read it again and then move on. 
Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend their prayer. Uh, here's, here's another one, and I think this one's good, because I, I think this one is another one of those how-tos, right? If you look at it and you think like, okay, I see what you're saying here. You're not just saying these wise things, but you're telling me how to do something. This is instruction, right? Psalm 34, verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You can read this as if it's, you know, coming from some, you know, wise source just saying this statement like it's some kind of an introduction to, uh, to, to a proverb, but I can see this as instruction. I see two things. Uh, here is what you're meant to accomplish, and then here is how you accomplish it. Depart from evil, do good. Seek peace and pursue it. If I want to seek peace, I'm going to depart from doing evil. If I'm going to pursue it, I'm going to do good. Depart from evil is the seeking of peace. Doing good is the pursuing it. If I'm going to seek peace, I've got to stop doing what's wrong. Depart from evil. Now I can start to seek peace. And if I'm going to pursue it, which means put my effort into it, begin to do the things that, that are going to bring it to pass, then I need to do something, which in this case is do good. So you're having these, these two things that we're called to do, and then the instructions in how to do it. First of all, depart from evil. That's how you'll start seeking peace. Secondly, start doing good. That's how you'll pursue that peace. And when that peace is introduced, it'll have its way. I'm going to skip a lot of stuff here because of time. It's just time. But I want to close with a, a, one of the promised things here. We had those three elements that we were going to establish. That third one that we were looking for is what's always a choice. Well, it's always a choice. It's never not a choice. However you want to say it, whatever is the most intense way that you can get it in your mind and your heart, that this is always an option. And we're going to close with this passage. And it comes from the Gospel of John. John 14, verse 1. You hear that? It's time. I love it. That was nice. That was, it was better than Bill's. Have you ever heard Bill's ringtone? <laughs> Everybody's laughing because they've heard it. It's so ominous. Like, you feel like, like something bad's about to happen. It's like, dong. Oh, man. It's the worst. All right, so back to it. This is where we're closing, and this is, this is important. So re-engage with me here because this is really where the rubber meets the road. Because oftentimes when, when there's a disturbance introduced, we can feel out of control. Like, we don't have any options. I mean, you can take this from the scripture. There's a lot of, like, think about the, the disciples in the boat when the storm comes. They all think they're dying because they don't think they have another option. Like, well, now we're just going to die. We're all going to drown, you know. They never thought there was an option to stand up and tell the wind to quit. But there's something that's always an option. You know what's funny to me? I missed something there. He didn't say quit. He said peace. <laughs> That would have fit the message, wouldn't it? Note to self. Here's where we're going to finish, though. Right here in the Gospel of John. Uh, John 14. And, and that 14 is going to start here at the first verse. Here's how it reads. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. Now, it's Jesus speaking. So Jesus is saying, believe in God. Believe in me also. Here's what's funny about that to me. 
What's being revealed here is that Jesus is God. That's what's being revealed. When he says, believe in God, and by the way, that's me. Believe in me. I'm saying believe in me. So you have this, this revelation in the scripture of the divinity of Jesus Christ, but you're seeing the, the option that is being bestowed upon every believer who would acknowledge the divinity of Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. That tells me that trouble in my heart or disturbance of peace that I might face is something that I allow. Jesus, in all of his goodness, and all of his mercy, wouldn't create this, this dysfunction that it's kind of like, hey, kid, I hope you work this out. But what he's revealing here is, son, peace is always a choice with me. You're going to face all this nonsense, and it's going to be up to you if you're going to let it bother you. Let not your heart be troubled. We don't talk like that, right? I mean... I don't go and order a hamburger and say, let not there be tomato. I just say, hey, no tomato, right? And what, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, you know, you don't have to let your heart go to this dark place. Choose. Choose what? In this, he said, believe in me. Now, that's another place that we struggle because we, we interpret the word believe as just acknowledge existence, like I believe in Santa Claus, right? But believe in the Bible means put trust in. And I wish that that's how it was published at all times. Because there's so much more depth and, and so much more conviction in that statement than just the word believe. But what's being said here is, hey, son, peace is always an option. It's always a choice for you. Put your trust in God. And that means put your trust in me. It's a whole other scripture, isn't it? feel that? You just feel it change in the, in, the, in the atmosphere because it's the truth. Peace is always a choice. We walk through some violent storms, but we don't have to be disturbed. We can put our trust in Jesus, trusting that he'll do what he says he'll do, that he is, as we read before, wonderful counselor, providing you great direction mighty God. He has the power to see victory in this, even though your enemies may seem tremendously powerful. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Eternal Father, that he's loving you, leading you, and guiding you, and that it might feel really hard right now, but that there's something good in the end of it that you might not be able to see. And then that he is the prince of the freedom from disturbance. And there's going to be no end to the increase of peace where he rules and reigns. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us, and I want to ask God to... to do a, a work in our hearts and in our minds and there may be a number of things that God is going to do for you personally individually things that, that might not even be related to the message you know. but God has a wonderful way of connecting the dots so don't feel like any work of the Holy Spirit in your heart or in your mind and your life in any way right now is limited to what I'm going to pray because I promise you it's not but I want us to see Jesus differently you know, and, and, and not 
not like we were seeing him wrong before, but, but I want to know him more and more. And that's really the point of our fellowship and relationship is to grow and to, to have greater depth. Not just to, to see him as, you know, as we see him right now, but to see him as the one that brings freedom from all disturbance. And what's amazing is that'll be challenged. I promise you that. Get ready for that. Get ready for your phone to ring. Get ready for something to show up in your inbox. Get ready for a letter. In the, get ready for some attempt because your enemy does not want you to see Jesus as who he is, the prince of the freedom from disturbance. And you may open up the floodgates of hell to try to bring disturbance against your life, to try to stir up what God has settled through Jesus. But stand. Stand putting your trust in him. That Jesus, you are the prince of the freedom of disturbance. And I see what's going on here when I read that letter, when I check that email, when I take that call. I see what's happening. All of these attempts to stir up what you've settled. You're stronger. You're bigger. Your love is wider. Your faithfulness is without end. Truly, you are greater than any of this nonsense in the world. And I choose to put my trust in you. That's how we stay settled. And it opens up the door to choose what's right. It changes everything. That's the prayer I want to pray. And you're welcome to be in agreement or simply receive, but I want to pray for you. We're going to dismiss. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for truth. Let your truth have its sanctifying effect on us. That we would be set apart from those in the world. And let the truth that we've received today begin to work in our hearts and in our minds. That we might see Jesus as the prince of the freedom from all disturbance. Let us glorify him as the one that we can put our trust in, in the midst of all the attempts to stir up our life and move us from where you have set us in conviction. And let us become uh, rooted deeper and deeper in the things that are true. That as the world's attempts to dis disturb us and move us continue to fail time and time again, that we would grow stronger and stronger in faith in you and that we might inspire those around us all because of our willingness and our trust to, to lean on Jesus, the one who is the prince of the freedom from all disturbance. Let that freedom be ours to not only have, but ours to give to those around us. That we might truly live out the truth that the one that Jesus sets free is free indeed. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And let that freedom from all disturbance prevail in our hearts and in our minds as we put our trust in Jesus. And let the results be amazing. Let them bring you honor and glory. Let our choices be righteous. And let our fellowship be true. We bless your name and we love you and thank you for all that you've done to settle us that you truly have put our feet on a firm foundation, our rock and our Savior, Jesus, the Prince of the freedom of all disturbance. We bless your name and thank you in Jesus' name. And all the saints declare, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. 
For more information, please visit us at Champs